You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper, and you're listening to our episode with Ann Court, Senior Vice President of Disney Theatrical Group and the founder of Women of Broadway. Just a heads up as we start this episode, guys, um, this was our first time recording remotely with a guest, and needless to say, it was a little tricky. So please bear with us as uh, as we go through it. You'll end up hearing much more of Kara than myself, but uh, overall, we had a great conversation, and we can't wait for y'all to listen. Have a good one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. And I'm Kara Cooper. And today we have our first remote uh, guest on our remote podcast uh, coming from you from my office. Jessica's coming to you from San Diego. La Jolla. La Jolla. <laughs> um, and today we have Anne Court with us. She is the Senior Vice President of Production at Disney Theatrical Group. She is also the producer of Women of Broadway, which just celebrated its third annual Women's Day on Broadway with both Jessica and I were at. It was incredible. Uh, Hillary Clinton spoke. I, it was amazing. Um, I it, sure. <laughs> It was actually very shortly before Broadway shut its doors uh, due to COVID-19. But not only does she strive for women's voices to be heard in that way, but she also is promoting change within Disney Theatrical to better support mothers in our industry. And we are beyond honored to have her here with us. So welcome, Ann Court. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be with you. Oh, thanks so much. I know. We were so excited for this episode. I know. I'm so happy that we're finally doing it like a month later. Who knew we'd be doing it this way? But I'm glad we were able to make it work. Me too. Same. Likewise. Thank you for for playing along and being a bit of a guinea pig with this, Anne. Thank you. Happy to. (laughs) Happy to. We always lead off our our episodes asking about your children um, because we feel like that's a question that most women don't get asked about in any sort of um, workplace. So tell us about your kids. Yeah, no, it's true. Nobody ever asks. Um, (laughs) I have two beautiful daughters. I have a 14-year-old and her name is Madeline and she's a freshman in high school. And I have a seven-year-old whose name is Zoe and she's a first grader. And they are very different, but they are also v- both very awesome and strong and smart and funny and 
my favorite humans in the whole world. I, I think that's awesome. pretty safe to say our kids are our favorite humans, right? Favorite humans. <laughs> Most of the time. No, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, I don't know. they have oh. their moments, especially in the high, especially when they get to high school, they really have their moments. But even oh. then, they're still my favorite humans. Ooh, I am not looking not forward, forward to that. that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. You know, I always thought that kids, um, when they were little, were so hard because, you know, you got to that they're so vulnerable and feeding and breastfeeding and diapers and the whole thing. And I always thought the minute they got self-sufficient, it would be easier. There's it. I would take an infant any day over a teenage girl. It's yeah. just, That's, I sort it's of thought ride. that might be the case. Yeah. <laughs> Holy yeah. we, don't, we don't realize how easy it is when they're infants, even on the hard days, at least you can put them no. down and they won't go anywhere and they don't they talk take back. A nap, theoretically, <laughs> If you have to, right? you can put them in the car and drive around, which Jeff and I did for with my first for over and over again, drove around New Jersey. But no, the teenager <laughs> thing, they have opinions and they have they think they own their own lives and it's all very challenging. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, in this time, I mean, having two school-age children and such wide differences, you know, high school and elementary, is, is, is she in first grade? She's in first grade. Yeah. Yes, first grade. So having them in such different places and having to, I'm assume, homeschool, right? Like all of us right now. Um, are you having to add that on to, I'm sure, what is already a very full plate, uh, still working from home? Or um, your husband well, taking more of that on? Or well, actually, it's it's the time. You know, it's interesting the timing of this because my husband is a works on Broadway as well. He's a technical supervisor and has been doing that for for many many years. And as we were headed into this calendar year, um, my workload this year. I mean, no one predicted what we're currently going through. But before this happened, we had a, we had an incredibly challenging year with many, many, many shows opening internationally. Mm-hmm. And as we approached that year, Jeff and I talked about how we were going to balance him being in tech and me being on an airplane a lot. And um, he offered to uh, take a year off and be at home with the girls so that I could leave and not worry about, I mean, you all know what it's like, right? When you go on a business trip, yeah. it's not just like, see ya. You have to figure out what are the, all the play dates and what are all, what's everybody eating and what's the potential drama that could happen while I'm gone. But um, so he did that last October so he's actually oh. at home, still in that same frame of time that we had talked about. So he's full on teaching in teaching mode and is downstairs with Zoe doing writing and reading and she'll run upstairs with something and sometimes I'll go down and check. But, you know, as much as we're working from home, I'm working a 16 hour day um, just to try and figure out what we're doing. So it's great that he's here and can be dedicated to to making sure that she's getting done what she needs to get done. You know, the year already was crazy. We had eight shows opening in Europe over the course of three months and uh, a show in Japan and a show in Australia. And um, that is all now in this very complicated um, matrix of everybody, every country trying to tell us what they're doing and what they think when they think they're going to be able to have audiences back in theaters. And, and so every week is different and everybody has a different schedule. And so we're constantly toggling and figuring out how we can... Um, make it all work. So that's what the days have become, um, which of course is what it's like for everybody. Um, And the truth is we don't know what we don't know. So we're all just trying to create five different options until we see some sense of what this thing does. Were any other shows 
closed before Broadway closed? Had you shut down any in other international yes. productions? Okay. Yeah. Good. We closed down uh, Beauty and the Beast in Shanghai for was the first one. And okay. then our productions in Tokyo, we have, we have um, five productions running in Tokyo. Uh, okay. Well, in Japan really. And um, they all were closed before, um, before Broadway closed down. And then after Broadway, it was very quickly Europe and, and then everything was gone. Okay. Let's talk a little bit. Actually, I want to ask you, because this is a question we ask all of our um, friends or guests who are on the other side of this or on stage, right? So you're on the other side of the stage. Were you concerned having children that it was going to affect the way you and your work was perceived at Disney theatrical? Was that a concern for you at all? Or was that not something that crossed your mind? No, it absolutely was. I mean, the truth is I was the first woman at, at DT at Disney theatrical to have a baby. Really? No one had ever had a baby. I mean, I've been at Disney for a long time. It will be uh, 18 years in um, at the end of this month. So wow. I was the first one to ever have a baby there. So, um, they didn't quite know what to do with that. Um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of fumfering around about, you know, I wanted a curtain so I could, um, breastfeed in my office and that felt all a little odd. And, um, I used to not because anybody, I know I, what I never felt was any hostility by any stretch. That was just a completely unknown experience for everybody. So no one knew what to do, but, um, I would, uh, I remember in the early stages when Madeline was just born, I would I kind of around 4.30 pretend I was going to the bathroom and I would like leave the building and head back to New Jersey so I could be home for bedtime. Yeah. Um, so I did a lot of stuff to kind of over prove or over represent that having a baby was not going to change my ability to, to, to do my job. In doing that, do you feel like you made huge sacrifices or compromises um, for, to yourself for, for your own um, mental health and your and your children? It's interesting. If you uh, you know uh, the word sacrifice doesn't quite feel right because I feel right. like I have so much in my life to be grateful for that it's hard to categorize it as a sacrifice. But I do feel like it was unbelievably difficult because when Madeline was first born, um, Jeff was, you know, he was home for about 10 days and then he was gone and he was really gone for about five years, not because he was opening shows on the road and that was what his job was. And so I was a single mom um, in the middle of all of that. And um, around the time Madeline turned eight months old, I was offered a, the, it was a handful of complicated situations, but I eventually was offered the job. I was production manager when I first started at Disney on Lion King. And when she was eight months old, they offered me the associate producer's job. And um, I then had to start traveling the globe with her. And I would, we went to Paris and opened the Lion King. We went to Las Vegas and lived on the strip for four months, which I do not recommend to anyone. (laughs) Do not try. And that is, nobody should do that. Um, I, we went to Las Vegas, we went to German and we went to London. We've, we just, I just packed her up and we went. Um, and that's how I got through those first five years of, wow. of, as you know, in that new job as an associate producer, 
I was the only woman who was, who was an associate producer. And uh, yeah, I felt, a, I felt a real need to make sure people knew that my having a child wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna stop me from getting on an airplane. Yeah. That's incredible. Did you have a nanny that traveled with you or? Yeah. So I, I did, I did it differently every time because yeah. every time was slightly different circumstances. But for instance, when I was in Paris for four months, I packed up the nanny and we went mm-hmm. and in Las Vegas, I had somebody and yeah, everywhere I've been, I've had some kind of childcare with me. Um, oh, to, to be the nanny in Paris. I would really- <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say she had a pretty fantastic time. I, I bet. would come home from work and she would disappear into the night and had all kinds of fabulous French friends that I didn't have any of that. But, um, you know, <laughs> she was 22 I and lived in Paris. I feel as say we traveled to Australia when Book of Mormon opened there for my husband. We were there for three months and we brought a therapist for our daughter and that she was 24 years old and she had the best time. She would do her therapy and then she would go off and I'm like, Oh, I could be you. I wish I could go off and explore. Totally. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've, we took, I've taken um, childcare all over the world and every, every country is slightly different, but yeah, I, I always feel better taking somebody who I know and that I can, I can know that the kids have something that they feel comfortable with. Absolutely. So I just hearing you talk about your experience as the first um, woman to have a baby at Disney. And certainly, Jessica, and I know that's not the case anymore, even in being with meetings mm-hmm. with you. We, there are lots of mothers there. Yeah. Um, so, and I don't know if this uh, connects to to women of Broadway, but what was it that prompted you to start Women of Broadway? And for those of you listening, I'm just going to do a little blurb about what it is. Disney's Women of Broadway builds a community of women, including all those who identify as women and or non-binary who are working in or fans of the Broadway, off-Broadway, and professional theater industry. Each event is meant to offer an opportunity to share experiences, struggles, and victories with the goal of supporting each other to make our industry stronger, which is incredible. Um, yeah. And uh, you are such a leading voice for women in our industry. So was there a moment that you were like, I need to do this or what was, how was women of Broadway born? Yeah. I mean, the truth, I mean, to be, I will give you the very truthful version of all of it because it was really the combination of three, of three different things. And there was a, a handful of things. One, it was the Me Too movement had just started to be present in the world at the very beginning, um, we had held a second opening night for Frozen and we had releasing one day and Tom had said to me, what do you want to do with this extra day? And when, and I, at which point I said to him, I think we should do an event for women. It's that Frozen is a show written by women about women. And um, let's, let's make use of this moment in time, all of which is the backstory for all of that is my having many conversations with women in the industry, moms who, not just moms, actually, women with and without children, who when you sit down and you get real about how hard it is or how things have not gone, have been difficult or how you've been, you felt like you've been, you can't get your voice heard, to have a woman across the table, couch, Barstool say to you, God, this is so nice to have a conversation where we can talk really about what it is to be a woman in in in, a, in an environment where there are a great deal of men. And then my own personal coming to terms with the fact that as a woman in a position of responsibility and with a certain amount of profile, I had not done enough 
I'd grow, I'd come into my career in, in a, in an arena full of men. I'd, I'd, I'd run a scene shop, uh, in my early kind of mid twenties. And then, you know, uh, at Disney theatrical, uh, you know, my family there is many, many men, all of who I love very much. And, um, I really felt I needed to do something. I had a responsibility and I wanted to not preach. I was had zero interest in creating an agenda for women. That is not, I've, I feel no, I'm not, that's not what I want to do. Just create an opportunity for dialogue for mm -hmm. one woman to say to another woman, that's an amazing story that really encouraged me because that happened to me or I'm struggling with that, that, just to give an opportunity for a sense of community. I didn't want it to be political and I did not want it to be negative and I did not want it to be preachy. I just wanted it to be a place, a, a, a box, not even a box, but like a, an umbrella where women could have a space and a conversation. And feel comfortable to say the things that they haven't been comfortable to say up until now. I mean, I feel like that's, I've, in our society at, at large, I feel like that's a, a conversation that's really starting to, or has gained momentum, just women being able to talk about their experience openly. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, being at the Women of Broadway event uh, a couple of weeks ago, gosh, it feels like a lifetime ago now, doesn't yeah, it? Doesn't it? All the changes that have happened. Oh my goodness. Um, it just, it was so empowering and so um, fortifying. I feel like Jessica and I left uh, wanting to do more than ever, ever before. And it's interesting that you say you weren't, you weren't trying to preach. There's not an agenda. Um, because I think that's really similar to, uh, kind of what probably baby mamas has been for Jessica and I, mm -hmm. just a safe space, Absolutely. a safe space to talk and connect and not feel alone. Um, but I will say being at the event and hearing, um, so many incredible women speak, uh, there was a lot of advice given on how we could empower the next generation and how yeah. um, our experiences can help promote change and help um, our ideas in this industry to shift a little bit more and to shift other people's perspectives, not just the women who were there. Um, but like, but not with an iron fist, like you really, yeah. it, it was a very loving event and, and, and it was incredible. And I'm so glad that we were there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, let's too. see. I uh, I wanted to talk to you, Anne, because I do think that it's no surprise that you've begun Women of Broadway with regard, especially to what Kara and I know about how your example within Disney Theatrical um, with regard to better standards for women who become pregnant or the, the concessions you have made or the work you've done to try to advance um, maternity leave situations and just um, such, and also like you've mentioned how you make sure there's a room for pumping in every theater. I mean, the things you've done that obviously it's directly connected to the fact that you are a mother and your experience as a woman and as a mother. And um, would you be willing to tell us if, those things. I mean, we know, you know, we've come together and met with you um, on pre- better business practices that you'd like to put forth. And I think it's important yeah. for people to know that that is being worked on and that there are people in positions of power and in leadership positions who are actively trying to um, help us advance a little past, you know, where we are. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to talk about, you know, this, the handful of things that we're working on. I think that the more I, dig into these issues of women and their ability to feel comfortable in the workplace and, and own the fact that they have children. Somebody said, you know, it's the time for children to be kind of contraband for women is over. You know, so many women I know of a certain generation simply didn't talk about the fact they had children. They simply didn't do it. And I think that we have an obligation to try and fix that, that kind of situation. So Look, I'm incredibly blessed to work inside an organization that has has a set of values that supports my being able to say, I think we need to make sure that there's a pumping room in every theater and I want to talk about maternity leave. Um, and I'll also recognize that within the Walt Disney Company, um, we have resources that others don't have. Um, so, so I want to say all of that first. But um, one of the things that I am very passionate about and my staff is tired of hearing me drone on about it, um, is this issue specifically about women on stage. And I recognize there are issues for women off stage as well um, that eventually, you know, that we need to also be dealing with. But uh, with women on stage, who use Princess Jasmine as an example. If Jasmine gets, if the woman playing Jasmine gets pregnant, I can't have Jasmine pregnant. The whole freaking story falls apart. Right. <laughs> but it feels incredibly wrong and immoral to me that that woman, because of that set of circumstances, her doing this extraordinary thing of carrying a life means that she loses her job immediately, like six months, seven months before she would normally to go on maternity leave and potentially then loses her health insurance weeks, depending on what health insurance she has. And I, I, that for me has become a real it's a drum I continue to beat. Um, And I don't, I haven't solved it holistically. We have come up with a handful of policies. We had a, we had a woman on frozen who became pregnant and we were able to um, have her, have her move to an offstage track and she sang the show. And then we put somebody on stage and we were able to keep her employed all the way through her maternity leave, which kept her with a paycheck and it kept her with her health insurance. Um, and I don't know if that is the best solution, but it was a way that I could, I could figure out that helped 
fix those two issues of, of a loss of salary and a loss of health insurance. I think we need to solve this as an industry. I don't know how that happens. And I, um, but I really think that this is, it's, it's kind of shocking that there is not a more comprehensive maternity leave policy in this industry, but not just for actors equity for, for everywhere. Yeah. And I, we, you know, so that's my, that's one of my big drums that I, I continue to beat. And, and also just with the women on my staff, you know, um, to say, you've had a baby, you, you know, everybody says, I'm going to come back on this day. And then it's, you know, but we, all of us who've had a baby know that you have no idea what it's going to be like, <laughs> you know? So I've always been very like, tell me when you're going to come back. And then a week before, when you decide that's a terrible idea, then we'll work with you. And then maybe in the first couple of weeks, you're going to come back and you're only going to work five hours a day and that's okay. And, and you want to be home for bedtime and, or baby's up all night. Like there's just a million things and we'll just figure it out. I'm not worried about it. Um, and Disney has a very um, uh, supportive maternity or supportive policy in terms of extra weeks for child bonding that are really great. And so we're doing the best we can, but there's so much left to sort out on this topic. And I'm, I am quite, I'm annoying about this. (laughs) Well, just the fact that you're searching for a solution at all. I, I mean, that is so encouraging, especially, I mean, we've been talking about this for so long, I feel like within our community and we keep coming up against a brick wall. And for our listeners, you should know that Disney theatrical um, operates on a separate contract than the rest of Broadway. So you have negotiated with actors equity, a specific contract. Um, So your ability to do things is a little bit different than the rest of the industry at large. Um, But just the fact that you are trying to do something is uh, incredible and encouraging and the momentum that we all need. And it needs to be seen that something can be done for people to think it's possible. Um, yeah. So the fact that you were able to give um, that cast member an offstage track, that she could continue um, gaining her health insurance week. We, we know so many women who have lost their health insurance when you are in the most vulnerable, either right before mm-hmm. you have a baby or right after. Um, and it's, it's not okay. Um, it's not okay. It's not, it's okay. not okay. No. So thank you for recognizing that. Um, I'm trying, I'm going to go through, I'm looking at our questions too. Just, are you moving on to this? I, I, and this is a little bit less about motherhood, but a little bit more about where we are as a community um, in the world. How are you feeling about the future of Broadway and theater. Um, I know that you are dealing with this every day. And obviously, like you said, you're trying to think of five different uh, solutions to a scenario we don't really understand yet. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that we are all feeling uh, the complicated emotions of the unknown right now. And And I wonder what your take is on that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I echo your feelings of it being incredibly emotional, incredibly complicated and incredibly, yeah, we've, I have in my lifetime never lived through everything, anything that I have no point of reference for. Right. You know, we've all lived through shows closing before we wanted them to close. We've all lived through that hell. (laughs) We've lived through the firing of a 
choreographer, a director, a designer, we've lived through that. We know what that yeah. feels like. We know what the stages of that look like. You know, we've we've lived through various things that are bit that are incredibly difficult and traumatic and painful, the loss of, you know, somebody important, all those things. But there is no point of reference for this. We don't know what the arc looks like. We don't know where the middle is. We don't we can't see what it looks like at the end. And so I think that is unbelievably terrifying and frustrating. And for those of us who are spend our whole lives trying to manage what knowing what the next 10 steps are, it's very frustrating. Um, I do have, I'm very, very clear in my absolute knowing that we will get back to where we were. I just know it because I think you can't put an entire globe through this kind of trauma and and not, and not need the arts to heal that. And people will want to be together. You know, there'll be fear. There's no question we're going to have to navigate between now and the time when there's a vaccine, how people feel about being in a close space. And I don't have the answers to those questions yet. We, nobody does, I don't think. But mm-hmm. I have absolute certainty we'll get back there. My, my, um, my energies now are going to, how do we get through this middle piece, this piece where we don't know what happens next? Um, so I, I can tell you that, you know, I talk to people all day long here and all over the world and everybody's grappling with it. Um, everybody is being really genuine and full of grace with each other and allowing each other to be angry and allowing each other to be frustrated and scared and sad. You know, I spoke to my staff, um, my larger group of my staff about two hours ago and without, I, you know, and got myself all upset and broke down in tears with them on the phone, but with not because I intended to do that, but I just, the gravity of all of these humans stuck in this state of unknown is so painful. But, you know, uh, Tom, Tom Schumacher and I, or Tom who runs Disney theatrical, we've been a lot, we've been through a lot of various fires together. Nothing like this, of course. And his, he has a saying, which is the only way out is through. Yeah. And that's the truth. We have to just go through this, whatever this is, we just have to go through it until we get to the other side. Yeah. And the problem with that is I feel like we're in a production of Groundhog Day because every damn day, you know, you wake up and you can't leave the house and the kids and the thing and the thing. And the, I, I, I'm, I'm on the out, I'm on the lookout for a moment of hope for some sense that the numbers are coming down for some sense that there is a hope that there is the other side of this. Yeah. Well, I think what you said, just saying, you know, the future holds a place where we will get back to where we were before. I mean, that that's hope right there. I mean, yeah. that's exactly what that is. Um, and I think as uh, a member of the theater community, uh, I mean, and the world at large, I, it, it, if we can't imagine a future without this pandemic, then, you know, you can't get through the day to day. So you yeah. have to, you have to um, envision that. Um, and I, and I, to bring it back to motherhood, I will say that having my children has kept me from going down this spiral mm-hmm. of doom because I 
see them and I see, you know, my kids are six and three and they are, are not really aware of what's going on. No. We talk about the big germ a lot, but you know, um, just for safety purposes. And I'm so happy. I'm so happy that they don't have the weight of this, mm-hmm. um, global, uh, experience that we're going through. I'm so happy that they are going to remember this time as the best of the time of their life. They had mom and yeah. dad home all the time. The time. Had, we are sitting down to family dinner every night. They are getting us tucking them into bed every night. And I, and I yeah. hang my hat on that every night at the end of the day, I say, it's actually, it's been a good day, you know, even though there is this crushing sadness and fear in our world right now, it's been a good day. Um, and I'm, yeah. and I am fortunate to say that because we are not being directly affected by, um, this virus. And I, and I don't mean to say that anybody out there, I know there are so many people who are being directly affected and I don't mean to come across as insensitive to that. Um, you know, I'm just saying that that is today what's getting me through. Yeah. You know, and everybody has to find the thing that's going to make it okay to get up the next morning and start all over again. Exactly. I do. I also do think that when this is, when, when the dust from this is settled and, and we've have grieved what we've lost, right. Cause there will be grief that comes with this. I think we're going to, there will be hidden. There's going to be hidden treasures of what we gained as a result of this moment of global pause. Yeah. And I, I don't know what those things are right now, but I do think that they're out there. I think that we'll see that. Yeah. I've said that. I said that to Kara um, just the other day. I was just saying, you know, this is a hard reset of for humanity, you know, that we're all in this together and there is some comfort in knowing that the entire world is on pause. To a degree. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And Definitely. one day we will get back. It might be, <laughs> it might be a very long time from now, but you know, we'll be back. We do have to get through it. And yeah, I, for sure. And, and, and who knows, um, speaking specifically to what you have, you know, been fighting for, maybe there will be a greater understanding of that for all the people mm-hmm. who are at home right now, with their families, with newborns, um, you know, all the things that go along with that. We're all experiencing that in a different way than we ever have before. So maybe the framework for change and the and the ability to um, have people see different perspectives will will benefit us in that way. Who knows? No, go ahead. Anne. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think for many families and this, you know, I'm I'm lucky because we everybody in my house is is very is healthy and I know that's not the case with everybody, but I think for many people, this moment of of family time that's so different. I I think there is going to be a foundation that comes out of that that will be pretty extraordinary. I agree. I just want to say thank you so much. Uh, and for being a leader in this industry, an advocate for women and for mothers. And we are so lucky to have you on our side, to have you fighting for us and recognizing that changes need to be made and, uh, and, and moving forward, hoping to make them. So thank you. Um, I just want to thank you, Anne, for coming and not only being on the podcast, but for leading the charge and representing 
women and mothers in our industry across the board, on stage and off. Um, you are a voice of strength and a voice of reason. You know how to get things done, um, <laughs> which is I- I- impressive. And you, I-, I think that's something that Jessica and I, our emotions run so hot that um, you come in with such a, a temperament that is uh, admirable and something we want to emulate. And we wish you all the luck in dealing with this uh, current state of affairs and and juggling it all as as you've been doing before, but now in extreme circumstances. So, well, thank you for that. And the, what you guys are doing with this podcast is amazing. And I've always been such fans of the community you've created. So I was. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to see you. <laughs> Bye. <Me too>. <laughs> yeah, yes. talk to you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. Special shout outs to Rachel Spencer Hewitt for our fabulous graphic, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Ward Weber for our awesome theme song. Our producers, Dory Berenstein, Alan Seals, and of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. If you like what you're hearing and you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And of course, subscribe and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.